Welcome to Breaking Good, the officially unofficial podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And tonight we're covering Season 1, Episode 5, entitled Grey Matter, uh, also known as the one where Walt says, I'm a prideful dude. <laughs> <laughs> and I have the talking pillow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, Aaron, come on. I have the talking pillow. You weren't supposed to speak yet. <laughs> uh, so what do you think of this episode overall? Another fairly slow-paced episode, but I felt like there was a lot of really challenging scenes. Sure. Uh, the one and yeah. obviously the, the non-intervention intervention, <laughs> the yep. family powwow that Skylar put on was a really early preview of – because we haven't seen a lot from Dean Norris who plays Hank. We haven't seen a lot from Betsy Brandt that plays uh, Marie. Yeah, yeah. Even Walt Jr. These are five people that really stood – and held their own against Brian Cranston and did a lot of little nuance work, a lot of character. I'm sure a lot of that stuff was on the written page, but I thought this was really fascinating. It's not really deeply insightful for, I mean, I don't, that's the thing. There's not a lot of like hidden little details and hidden notes and like foreshadowing, but this is building the bones of who is Walter yeah. White. This is the bread and the butter here. Yeah, why why is this man going to make this is a very fateful episode. This is a big pivot point. Huge. Huge. Um and it it's all predicated uh the, the going forward of the plot here is all predicated on who Walt is. Yeah, and as we'll, a person and the the choices he's made or hasn't made to get him to this point. And we're going to talk obviously a lot more about these fateful moments when we get to them in the podcast, but uh mm. I just want to put that out there. Also, I've gotten a lot of feedback because people are just kind of discovering that we're doing this all at their own pace. Uh, some people are worried about how we're going to deal with spoilers because obviously we've seen the entire series. We're going to deal with spoilers the same way we do with all of our shows. Anything we talk about that has any kind of future knowledge is going to be at the end of the show beyond the – so if you hear the music, uh, only stay there if you want to be spoiled. Otherwise, it's going to be pretty smooth sailing. We hedge. We might say like, "This is the first time you're going to see Badger, and Badger's one of the three Stooges that hangs out with Jesse." If you consider that a spoiler, yeah, yeah, you know um, that a character is not a one-off. Yeah, uh, that's this is not that kind of show, right? No, this, there are those kind of shows that maybe that would be a spoiler, but this is not one. Yeah, so there's. I think we we strike a balance between informing you. Uh, about all the little nitty-gritty stuff without spoiling major plot points or even minor plot points that are going to be coming down the pike. So, Yep, I agree. Before we get into the podcast proper, i got to don my dollar bill suit and spin my arrow around a little bit, talking about the Breaking Bad Fan Fest. This thing is getting out of control. Just found out uh, this week that they've added a guest to the celebrity panel. Charles Baker, a.k.a. Skinny Pete, Skinny P, oh, yeah. is going to be joining us uh, alongside Louis and Daniel Moncada, which are the cousins from Season 3, Jeremy Bitsui, a.k.a. Victor, and Stephen Michael Cazeta. You know him and love him as Agent Stephen Gomez of the DEA in the ABQ. There is going to be RV-based tours of the uh, Albuquerque locations. By the way, that one's selling out quick. Not very many slots left, so if you want to get in it, take no half measures Get a full measure and go to abqbreakingbadfest.com and uh, get your tickets there. Jim and I are going to be moderating that panel, that celebrity panel. You can meet us out there. We're going to be hanging around all weekend. We're going to have a costume contest, so we're going to be judging slash emceeing. 
the geeks who drink uh, are going to be throwing a trivia podcast. You can register a team for uh, all this stuff again. On but you a- might as well not because you're just going to lose to us anyway. So <laughs> we're the ringers. <laughs> we're going to get all the prizes. Yeah. No, I'm totally joining up, and and yeah, I'm going to win everything. Team ball move, baby. <laughs> uh, ABQ BreakingBadFest.com. You can check them out on Facebook.com/slash BreakingBadFest. Uh, stay tuned because this is not it. There's going to be. Some other stuff that there's, uh, as uh, Jenny put it, is 99.1% confirmed. <laughs> but you need that extra 0.9 before you announce it on websites and podcasts. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's still going to be some surprises and fun stuff in store. Hope to see you guys out there. That's November 7th and 8th in Albuquerque, the Breaking Bad Mecca. Something else Jim and I are excited about, and I'm not even, I'm not even being ironic. The Walking Dead trailer we saw for the season... <laughs> They've roped us back in. We're super excited. Yeah. Um, they seem like they're embracing their action-oriented roots. I'm so pathetic. All it takes is one good explosion, and I'm 90, right back 90 in. 90 seconds of guys running around with assault rifles and exploding zombie heads, and yep. it's like raw meat to dogs. We're drooling. We're pavloving it up over here. We're so excited. We're going to do a Month of the Dead promotion. We're going to start in October 2nd. Uh, that's a Thursday. We're going to, for four weeks in a row... A couple of things. Every week we're going to have a zombie movie review. And the first two probably are going to be... Jim and I went way back in the archives. This is unreleased. Oh, man. Yeah. Unreleased. We found the prototype pod TV podcast. We called it Zombie Drill. It was before Breaking Bad. It was be- it was between Blue Yonder and-, and Breaking Bad. We never released it because we kind of fucked it up and sh- <laughs> never got our shit together. But we yeah. did manage to record two uh, full-length podcasts about zombie movies. We did the classic George R. Or George Romero, George R. R. Romero, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Triple R, they call him. Night of the Living Dead, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, Peter Jackson's Dead Alive slash... I think so. I think so. <laughs> it's Dead Alive slash or some other word. Brain Dead is the other title. It, it's known by two different... Depending if you're a, a Kiwi or the rest of the world. Yeah. Uh, had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, I, we listened to a couple of minutes of them and I thought they were hilarious. We're going to kick it off that. Those are going to be, the movie reviews are going to be coming out Thursday. We're going to do, try to get all of the blank of the deads, right? Yeah, there's six of them and we've got one in the can. So we're going to have some special guests for those podcasts. Yep. Some, some other walking dead podcasters going to be joining us. We're going to be giving away. Uh, we're going to do a contest every week, and the prize is going to include a Bald Move Walking Dead-themed T-shirt, a copy of the latest season of Walking Dead in Blu-ray or DVD, uh, a couple other fun stuff. I wrote a book about season one of The Walking Dead in the off-season. It's going to be an ebook released on Amazon. You get a free copy of that. Uh, stay tuned for that. We're going to be doing one of those a week. Finally, Jim and I are, are playing through Telltale's Walking Dead Video game series. Yeah. We're recording Seasons them. one and two, all the episodes. I'm going to do season one through, through uh, leading up to and throughout the season. Pretty excited about all that stuff. We're going all in. We are not playing the Walking Dead survival game. No. Sorry. It's just a telltale choose-your-own-adventure type, uh, scum type uh, video game. So yep. hopefully that's uh, that'll be exciting. Stay tuned to baldmove.com, facebook.com slash baldmove, and at baldmove on Twitter for all the latest on that. Starting October 2nd. Super excited. All right, let's get into the episode. We start off with Jesse applying for a job, dressed up in a suit. We've never seen Jesse quite like this before. His hair is combed. 
He's in a suit, uh, and he's applying for a job at a real estate company. Looks like a bank. Perhaps a bank. Like a bank. Yeah, yeah, bank. And on the way out, he runs into Badger, who's dressed up in this dollar bill suit. Dollar dollar bills, yo. Uh, and he kind of talks him back into cooking again. Yeah. Uh, I got a couple observations. Yeah. Number one, does this shit work? Because every time I see like a Liberty Tax joint, which yeah. is is if I don't know if, it, if this is a regional chain or if this is just specific to the Midwest or if it's all over the nation, but these these little strip mall tax joints that pop up in like January and stay. It's like April, the cash for gold places, right? I uh, I swear to God, the one that's closest to our house is just like the the Better Call Saul office. Sure, it's got the giant inflatable Statue of Liberty. It's got some freak wearing a Statue of Liberty stuff dressing and 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 they're and performing in all weather. Yep, yep. it's February. It's forty degrees. It's freezing rain. They're out there in a Statue of Liberty garb dancing it up, and they're getting paid about as much as that suit is worth. I don't know how much they're getting paid. Nothing. Number one, certainly not. What is it like wearing that disgusting, soggy, sweaty suit <laughs> right after someone else? It's like still warm, kind of damp. Mm. And does that like do people favorite. like? Oh yeah, I got to do my taxes. I'm going to stop in there. Like I think the opposite. I think like I'm not going to fucking go to this shady fly by night shit. Exactly. That it totally turns me off, but apparently it works. Apparently, those types of strategies work, man. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like businesses succeed in spite themselves. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, we were just talking about that. There's a grocery chain. It's like this high end, you like this massive international market. But the marketing is, and and everybody goes very very popular. But the marketing seems like it's designed by a three year old. Like I don't sure, sure. see how that's a- so. Here's the here's my guess as to why this works because everyone has to get their taxes done. Uh, most people don't want to do them by themselves, so just knowing that there is a place near you that does that is enough to say that's the place I'm going. Because otherwise, you completely don't even take notice of those places, right? Yeah, no, sure. Like you drive through a strip mall, you who cares? Another tax joint, don't care. But if you know that there's a dude dancing on the street corner every day. And that's the tax joint. Well, where are you going to go to do your taxes when it's time? Uh, the Probably. H&R Block and Walmart, if you're one of those people. Sure, but, but they don't have the guys dancing out front. Do you know that they're even there? Do you I, know where the closest H&R Block is versus no, I'm saying that this they, place they, where they the have an H&R dancing? Block temporary style set up in like every Walmart in the country. Hmm. I, I, okay. I, I didn't I, know that. Yeah. Well, I don't go into Walmart. because you don't step into Walmart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're too hoity-toity. Oh yeah, because Myers is so much better. <laughs> I'm surprised <laughs> Myers they don't have. is right down the street. I'm surprised they don't have one. Yeah, no, I, I, I just feel like I would love to know like before and after because the mattress places does do these sometimes too. Sure, uh, so Ca- I've, I've seen cash for gold places doing that cash stuff, for gold, yeah. it's, but it seems like it's kind of it's always the bullshit operation. Yeah, the four hundred dollar king size mattress. It's never like any kind of gray matter doesn't do this. <laughs> We've got a new patent. It's a billion dollars. Woo! Helicopter. Synchrotrons, baby. Synchrotrons. <laughs> That's what they need. Gray Matter needs to get a nat, nat, yeah. They need to get a guy in tidy whities spinning something called a synchrotron. <laughs> That's how they get the investor money coming in. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, so he decides he's going to go cook again. Pretty much. I mean, we just we what's his, figure that out from that. I mean, scene the kid, right did he drop out of high school? Did he graduate? He certainly didn't Badger? get. No, no, no. Jesse, I'm saying, what Jesse. is his, you know, and and even even cleaned up, 
you know, he doesn't have a college degree. We do know that. But even mm. cleaned up as best, you can still tell he's got a little something. He's, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. A little too eager, a little too, little, little whiff of desperation on him. <laughs> Could be. He looks down at the classifies. He's like, fuck, this is bullshit. Badger's got three pounds of pseudo. I'm, I'm doing that. Yeah, fuck it. Uh, so we go over to Walt and Skyler, who are driving over to Ellie and Gretchen's birthday party. Um, and Walt, very obviously, when they get there, doesn't feel comfortable. He doesn't want to go to this thing. They pull over in the car, and they're talking, and he obviously doesn't want to be there. And it's also funny how, like, their party wear is super dated. Like, Skyler makes mention of, I feel, oh, like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm going, like, in a, a decade-old prom dress. Uh-huh. Walter's wearing this ridiculous three-piece suit with gold buttons, like straight off of the set of the Arsenio Hall show from 1988. Sure. Uh, And they just, you can tell, they just, they don't belong there. Yeah, I don't see them going to many uh, high society parties like this. At big mansions with three-floor library studies. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, but I like how they they did that just all with costuming, just extenuated yeah. how fish out of water they were, and the sure. gift. And it was apparently a themed party; like everybody's wearing tan and brown, <laughs> and it was the beige box party. It had to be right. That, no, that wasn't just a gag. No, I think it was a gag. I think you it was... think it was an elaborate gag. What do you mean elaborate? That whole scene, everyone being dressed in the same attire. I think it's I think it's somewhat funny that if Walt had wore his everyday go to school yes, outfit, he would have fit that. in better than him trying like, oh, these are my rich friends. I got to really <laughs> ritz it up. I feel like that was part of the okay. unstated gag. So I don't think it's a gag that these people showed up all looking like their IBM computers from the mid '80s, all beige boxes. I think it's just Walt trying to do so, or maybe even Skylar put him mm-hmm. up to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she but, certainly put him up to going, and that's you know and, that's and, one of the many reasons here why Walt makes the choices he does as far as his treatment, you know, I, and the things he says later with the talking pillow. And then you know it's one of those invitations, no gifts. There's a giant altar, yeah, of gifts. I I, I think there's a Mercedes wrapped up. I could recognize it through the wrapping. Is that like a, a, a high society thing where they say no gifts and it's implied everybody brings a gift anyway? I don't know because I'm not. I don't I, know if you've yeah. noticed this. You've known me for a while. <laughs> Uh, my backyard is a cornfield and growing up in Indiana, not, sure. not much experience with high society. Yeah, me either. I, I feel like that's annoying that if you say no gifts, like it either works up to one asshole say brings a gift mean. yeah, and then they look like, oh, there's, and everyone else feels bad or everyone feels gifts and the host is like, God damn it. Well, that's just like, it's so connected with this offer, this condescending offer that Elliot gives to Walt, right? Like this. You feel like this the offer... offer that isn't a, an offer for a job. It's an offer to take care of the man. All right, like, let's put a pin in that because I want to debate it with you. Okay, all right, let's move on. Uh, after meeting with Gretchen and Elliot, Walt kind of snoops around the library, and he is very impressed. And no, there's and he no likes this at this point in the episode. There's no hint of any discontent. Like they just feel like they're old friends. Yeah, they yeah. took different paths, but there's no other than the fact that we saw Gretchen with. Walt kissing him in episode three. Sure, maybe it's episode things aren't, two. Like they're starting to come together, where you say, "Hmm, something is going on here." Yeah, I mean, Walt's just kind of maybe he's jealous, but he's maybe he's admiring. But there's just no outright rancor so far in until the he goes outside. Then you can see things are starting to get a little more testy. He he meets a group of guys who, you know, talk about how good he was back in the day and. 
now he's in education and they ask him what's what university and he just kind of doesn't say anything that's i mean i, I have that same issue because you know i'm in I formerly was in a high tech field. Everybody's gone to college. Everybody's got a computer science degree of some type. And every, every time you go to a new job, I just I dreaded it. I waited for the countdown. When are we going to go out to lunch? And everybody yeah. starts talking about Where'd the school. school. Where'd you go to yeah. school? Oh, actually, I I didn't. I didn't. Gra- I mean, I graduated high sure. school. That's it. And even them being like, you could tell. Like there was always yeah. a shocked five second silence, and so it's like, oh, well, that's you know, self made <laughs> yeah. man, huh? But it's still that's fucking impressive. awkward as hell. Yeah, I can't yeah. even imagine like winning some kind of Nobel Prize, yeah. and all these people yeah. knew me from those days. And what are you doing? Oh, I teach. Oh, what university? Uh, it's actually <laughs> it's high school. High school. Uh, that would just it's it's terrible. Yeah, nothing no, it's and terrible. no nothing anyone can say, and even like your deep rooted belief that you're a good person. And you're confident and you've got great skill set and you're intelligent. All that stuff is stripped away. It's like being called to the chalkboard to do a math problem while you have a massive erection. Sure. Like in junior high. Could you please solve – could you please solve this? No, actually I can't. Solve for X. No. I can't. I can solve for B. I have an entire rick of wood in my pants, ma'am. I can't can't do it right now. I forgot to wear a belt. I can't tuck it in my waistband. Did you see what Stephanie's doing with that pin? Come on. <laughs> Come on. This is a joke. Uh, uh, yeah, so there's like a lot of little things that are starting to add up for Walt to make him feel uncomfortable and like almost resentful. Mm. Right? I mean, he sees this library, he comes out, and then he's immediately shamed. Right. Um, and then this conversation gives us the hint that it seems – he had a big part of making some of the success possible. Yeah. I mean, he, he to the extent that he helped create the name. Um and you start to wonder like what the fuck went down between these people. Sure. And I don't think we really get answers this episode. Um but who knows, maybe we'll find out. So uh Elliot is opening gifts and one of them is, you know, super fancy. It's a <laughs> it's a guitar, either directly from Eric Clapton or at least was signed by him. Yeah. Uh, with a personalized message, a very personalized, like, we are buddies. Here's my Eric Clapton guitar. Yeah, everyone around, ha, 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 you know, very funny. Yeah. yeah it's like, you're and an important person. the next gift up is this tiny little package of ramen from Walt, uh, which Elliot graciously kind of dampens the blow here. Right, he says this is meaningful to me personally because this is a journey that we took together. That's why this gift is so amazing. And he's telling these people that the gift is better than it looks. I can't. Yes, well, I can't help but notice that you seem to continually think that Elliot is pandering to Walt instead of being sincere. You seem to assume no, not here. that. Okay, I just wonder because it seems like your maybe some of your assumption is that he is being ingenuine. Whereas no, so I, here he he must feel like Walt thinks that this is a shitty gift right after that Eric Clapton guitar. So he explains it to people. I think he's being. I gotta nice say that to Walt here. I gotta say that on my memory of this first few seasons are that the Schwartz were kind of a holes. And that, mm, not really. No, well, no, no, no. I, obviously, I'm going to yeah, come yeah. back around. But my memory of them was that they were kind of douchebags. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, just from what I've seen so far, I feel like they I have a lot of sympathy for them. They don't seem like they're bad people. They seem like they're trying no. to help. Yeah, they, they are trying to help. The, the reason I say that, you know, the offer leader is kind of sinning is because that's Walt's point of view. 
Mm. Um, and it's it's and it's the way he makes the offer, but we'll talk about it when we get there. All right. Uh, so then Elliot and Wald catch up, and they kind of discuss the old days and snot trough, which sounds disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Elliot offers Wald a job, um, but before. But before he decides to accept it, it looks like Walt wants to accept it. But then he says that he has personal issues and Elliot, you know, drops the information that I kind of know about that. And that's kind of why I'm offering this. And we have great health care. That's the thing. Like, I wonder if he had not said that, if he had just like as a friend, like, come on, man, let's talk about this. What could possibly, you know, keep us from working together that it might have worked. But where do you stand on... Skyler, because this is something we're always we're kind of checking the barometer on. You know, Skyler hate, uh, Walt sympathy, Walt hate. Mm-hmm. Yet again, she cannot respect Walt's wishes for privacy. Uh, she says, "Well, you know, he came and asked how you're doing, and you know, I just don't have a very good poker face." She obviously doesn't. The- she fell apart at lunch last episode. But Christ, man, can't you just, while you're at a party, like, how are you and Walt doing? Oh, we're fine. Everyone fucking does that. Like, sure. if everyone fell apart the second anyone asked how they're going to the street, no one would get anything done. I feel like there's a little <laughs> bit of, especially when you take a look at her behavior as a whole and that, you know, she doesn't even respect the own processes she set up vis-a-vis the, in, you know, the talking fellow and the intervention and sure. it's kind of disingenuous. Like, I want my agenda pushed. I say I want to open an yeah, honest, no, but I he, want my agenda pushed. Yeah. That is I, – I, I, I don't want to say Walt's right <laughs> um, because obviously a sane person would accept charity. A person that didn't have a lot of fucked up baggage would accept charity. But sure. also Skyler, if she knows Walt and she's been married to him for quite a while, could she I, not manage that situation better? Yeah, it almost makes me wonder how well she actually knows the real Walt, or has she been railroading him so long that now she has a distorted view of who Walt wants to be himself? I mean, sure. I mean, Walt's statement, opening statement, when he finally gets a talking pillow, where he feels like, I've not made an authentic decision in my life. Yes. I feel, I mean, that's, I'm sympathetic to that. I feel like a lot of men can be sympathetic for that, because... You know, life kind of railroads you and society's expectations and your parents' expectations. Sure, everyone experiences You wake that. up and you're 40 and what the fuck. Um, but that's got to be a shitty thing for a Skylar to hear, too. Like, you can almost see the gears turn behind our heads. Like, every like when you married me, when we fought, when, when you fathered a child, when you fought. Sure. Uh, it's, I, I just sometimes wonder how Skylar and Walt's relationship got as bad as it is. It's very surface level, nicey, nicey, and they clearly love each other, but they also yeah. really don't know how to communicate with each other and really don't understand what the other really wants out of life. And that's sad yeah. no, for a right. couple been married as long. Sure. So then Walt and Skyler leave the party and Walt is very angry uh, about the whole thing. He slams the door on the way out and he's mad at Skyler for telling Elliot about his cancer. Um, and, also at Elliot for offering him this face-saving job opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's He feels like he was condescended to, like he was uh, patronized a little bit. I feel like the offer job offer was genuine. I wonder why they've never talked about this before. 
Like, if they're friends enough that they're going to birthday parties and things, maybe they do. And Walt's like, oh, you know, my passion's education, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I don't. It's hard for me to defend Walt here. Yeah, so I I wouldn't necessarily defend Walt. I could definitely see his train of thought, though. No, um, sure. He's you know, especially when you combine it with the being railroaded his entire life. Now Skyler has you know whether purposefully or inadvertently given up the information about his cancer. Now he's being offered this thing that he's not choosing again. It's like it's all Skyler's doing as to why Elliot's even offering this thing in the first place. Yeah. And he feels like that's another decision that's been taken away from him. Yeah, no, it's definitely, you know, more grist for the mill. But I, I just wonder if they've made other – because I feel like everything that – that's I guess that's what I'm saying. I feel like everything that Elliot said was genuine, that Walt is an out-of-the-box thinker, and he is a brilliant chemist, obviously. And mm-hmm. they are struggling with problems that may, that Walt could help them with. And I feel like the other thing that's interesting that I come away with is that it feels like the Schwartzes, Gretchen and Elliot – are completely in the dark about why Walt and them had a falling out. Or maybe they're not even aware that they had a falling out. Yeah, it's possible that, you know, Walt got angry about something and just never really brought it up, but obviously holds a grudge. Yeah, there's some interesting... There's an interview with the actress that plays... um, Gretchen? Gretchen. Yeah, Yeah. I almost said that that was actually her real name. Uh, I can't remember her uh, first name, but her last name's Hecht. Jessica, Jessica Hecht, um, that we're going to talk about in a spoiler take that I think is interesting. Um, but as far as non-spoiler, that's pretty much all all we can say. Okay. Then we go to breakfast, and Walt Jr. Uh, decides to take the bus to school, which is unusual. And even more unusual, he doesn't finish his breakfast. No. My God. And what's funny is Skyler picks it up in, like, double takes. <laughs> yeah. The, the boy's off his feed, Walt. What are we going to do? Yeah, something is definitely not right at home. I thought Junior is very perceptive and, like, wanting to take the bus to give his parents some time to talk things out, mm-hmm. um, especially being sensitive about his dad's condition. I thought that was unusually mature and perceptive of the young man. Yeah, he seems pretty perceptive uh, throughout the series. I mean, even later in this episode, you know, uh, he's tired of the bullshit. He's the first he one. He sees to cor- a lot of bullshit in this family. He's, He's the first one to correctly call out the bullshit that is the talking pillow. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so then Badger goes over to Jesse's house to check out the RV, and he unloads a bag full of absolutely necessary gear, including a crossbow. Oh yeah. Some forties. You gotta have a crossbow, and he and he pulls up in a Fiero. Oh yo, god. Which I I fucking love the vehicular casting of this show. It's great. I think about it, just, you know, from the show, the stuff we've known now, the RV, the Aztec, the Fiero, Jesse's uh, Captain Cook Mobile, everything is just, if you close your eyes and think, what car would this person drive, they come up with it. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's totally brilliant, yeah. Uh, Jesse, man, he's looking like a bumblebee in this montage. He's dressed in this black and yellow striped hat. He's got a black vest with a yellow hoodie under it or something. It's looking like a bumblebee. Yeah, head over to SerialBowl.com. They're breaking bad observations. If you want the, 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 a deep dive into color theory and the symbolism, <laughs> all that means that I'm somewhat deeply skeptical of, but I know a lot of people get into it, and they cover it well. But, yeah. Okay. Then there's a cookie montage, which is a little different than the standard cooking montage in Breaking Bad. Yeah, what <laughs> The last call... one we saw was professional. It was clean. It was well done. 
This one, man, Badgers well, in the mix. Except for it's funny because I would call this the Breaking Bad dumb the 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 Cook dumbass remix version. Yeah, yeah. Except for Badger is basically Jesse in the previous montage. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, and Jesse is the one that's trying to like, you know, top it like he's the expert. Uh huh. And he's like, oh, it's just a, it's just a matter of basic chemistry, yo. And it, it, you know, Badger. While Badger's pounding 40s in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, my God. And eating Funyuns and just fucking around. And Jesse's got this uh, coming out of nowhere kind of perf- perfectionist streak, which I don't think we're quite ready to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we'll get there. So Junior and his friends are at the beer store, the liquor store. They ask a stranger to buy him some beer. And the guy, they ask, happens to be a cop. What are the odds? Should have gone with the businessman. Yep. Because cops don't wear suits ever. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then Junior tells the guy, apparently, that Hank is his father and has Hank come pick him up. So I completely forgot about this scene. And the one thing I thought was really awesome is uh, in, in previous scenes in this season, we've seen Hank kind of, abs- uh, yeah, uh, uh, what do you call that, absurd? the the father role yeah yeah you know um he kind of goes beyond the cool uncle and 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 uh dispenses some fatherly advice and he takes his position like you know when he's trying to go do the the uh you know winners just say no campaign yep. with walt jr and here i felt like there was a really nice moment like you know it's not cool that you called me instead of your dad like think about how he would feel sure like i i shouldn't be and i, I like that little layer that we got of hank that he's aware of the impact this could have on Walt's feelings. Definitely. Which I don't remember. I, like I said, that didn't stick out in my mind, and I, it made me feel slightly differently about Hank. Sure, and that plays into the pride that Walt has, right? I mean, certainly he does not want his son feeling like he can't be the father that Hank could be. So if he were to find that out, that would be pretty annoying to him, I right. imagine. Right. So Hank takes Junior home. Can and, I ask you a question? Yeah. Where the hell is Walt? Um, It's evening hmm. time, probably kind of late evening, maybe early evening. And, and Skylar says he, she has no idea where Walt's at. And I, I don't, know. I'm not, They we have no, as viewers, we have no accounting of where his whereabouts are, just that he's away. Maybe grading papers or something? I know he stayed late last time, last know, episode maybe. to do that. I, maybe I just thought that was an interesting um, rewatch it again. I kind of assumed that we would see him off doing something, he's but we don't. Somewhere he's fuming. just driving around. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, Hank takes Junior home, and Skylar and Marie are waiting. Um, they kind of, you know, chastise him, but send him to his room so that they can talk. And then the conversation immediately switches over to Walt when yeah. Marie brings up the pot stuff, and they decide that they're going to have an intervention on Walt. Which I thought was interesting how Skylar's completely – no, it's not an intervention because yeah. she's like that – an intervention would be heavy-handed and maybe inappropriate to deal with a person stricken to cancer. Sure. Let me describe what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean an intervention? No, no, not an in- – no, it's not an intervention. It's just family. Yeah. A family meeting. Sure. That has a talking pillow that we don't let the person talk until we all have our say. It's Sounds it, a lot like an intervention to me. It does. And again, <laughs> one of the reasons why – Skylar White is pretty annoying in the early going. Sure. Uh, Badger is stoked about the meth that they just cooked, but Jesse is completely unsatisfied with it, and he dumps it in the desert. And Badger goes full out, 
meth addict and tries to collect it off the ground. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I get Jesse's comment that you have to have certain standards and all that stuff, but I uh, am firmly on hashtag Team Badger. What <laughs> the... F- and that that's one of the biggest plot holes of Breaking Bad, the concept that there exists a tweaker that would insist on 99.1% quality. Yeah. Like, you can make... good, And, and I'm not saying maybe you, you release this as an off-brand. Maybe you don't tout that this is you know, whatever they're going to, whatever the name of your product you're going to come, or you don't say that this is a Jesse P, this is a Captain Cook production. Yeah, yeah. But you got to sell the meth, right? I guess, You can't go through three pounds of pseudo and not have anything to show for it just because it's a little cloudy, man. Especially when it seems like, I would wonder what purity that is, because Badger seems like he's over the moon. Like, shit. Usually it looks like fucking water softener salt, the shit you're making, and yeah, this yeah. is so much better than he's ever seen. Yeah, no, I I feel like Jesse, you know, part of Walt is starting to rub off on Jesse. Certainly. Because, uh, you know, like even the you way he's talking about science and. Yeah, he's the... all psyched about Erlenmeyer flasks and boiling flasks. And he knows the names and like. Yeah. And, and the swapping of roles, like you said earlier, with him being the Walter White in this situation and Badger being the Jesse. Uh, I Yeah, it's starting to rub off on him a little bit. He's taking a little pride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe that part of Walt's rubbing off as well. Uh, and that's the thing about Walt cooking these these batches of meth that are so pure and so good. It's like he knows that he's better than teaching high school. Yeah. But all these decisions that he's kind of had to make and has been forced into have pushed him to the point where he now doesn't – he didn't have any pride starting this series whatsoever. I mean, look at him in the car wash. Yeah, because like, like – yeah, like for eyebrows. I a guy like Walt has a falling out with the Schwartzes, has a falling out with the gray matter. We don't know whatever. How do you go from that to high school chemistry teacher? Like Nobel, like it seems like any lab in the country, any pharmaceutical yeah, yeah. place would be would kill for his skill set. There's got to be. I don't know. Maybe Walt Junior. I mean, maybe that happened with him that he had to cut. He just had to just take the first thing, and then Walt got comfortable in his routine, and yeah, it's like he knocked Skyler up, and they had a five year plan, and now it's like, oh, I got to provide, I got to give benefits, and you got to stop working, and yeah, it just seems like a series of non decisions. Yeah, there. like yeah. I'm not going to decide to go out and do anything to improve my position. I'm just going to take whatever comes at me. Yeah, it's the whole you know, Mar, you know, Mars rover photos in Albuquerque. Uh, science institute all in from the pilot all over again like he wanted to do this but oh he promised the skylar that he'd paint the baby's room oh yeah which he never does anyway Mm. so it's like all of that that's kind of like that in a microcosm you can kind of see how these decisions would have played out just from guessing just from what we know of the characters how he got in this position but still (laughs) yeah you would think he could find something better than high school chemistry teacher yeah I don't know. Not to disparage any high school chemistry teachers out there. No, but there. if you've won a Nobel Prize. But if you're a Nobel Prize winner, yeah. You, you, you helped found a billion-dollar company. It would be surprising, to say the least, that you're teaching high school chemistry. Sure. Uh, Walt comes home, and he finds everyone waiting for him. I, I don't think this is actually a real scene here. It's just an introduction to the scene that's going to play out later. Because then we go back to the RV again, and Jesse's made another batch that is also not up to par, and he goes to throw it out, and Badger completely loses his shit. Uh, 
performs the dreaded helicopter. You know how long I've had to spin signs to buy all that pseudo? Helicopter bitch. Yeah, helicopter bitch. It's my favorite <laughs> moment out of this entire episode. It's just, for if, sure. If, uh, if, like, you made a Mortal Kombat-style Breaking Bad fighter, mm-hmm. that would be his finishing move. Totally. <laughs> I hope somebody has made that. Uh, so they, he wrecks the lab again, and Jesse kicks him out of the RV and drives off. Then he shoots the RV with a crossbow as he leaves. The Chris, the the RV man, it it gets riddled. It takes some damage. It yeah. takes it takes some damage. Yeah. Yep. It's it's hull integrity is questionable at best. Kind of a dick move to leave your friend in the desert, though, right? Absolutely. How does he get back? I I don't know. I don't know. And and how you do that and remain friends? Sure. Like I would, I would not speak to that person for a year if they left me in the fucking desert after he what stole if they all had my some pseudo. Well, that's one reason never to try, never try meth because you might end up having this buddy up with someone that left you in the desert. Mm, that's true. So we go back to the Walter to the White House, and thanks to the talking pillow, Skyler and Hank um, and Walt Jr. tell them all how they feel about him not getting treatment. Um, Junior's kind of pissed that his dad's just giving up. And Marie says he should do whatever he wants, and then Skyler gets pissed, and then finally Walt takes the pillow. He says, here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, here's how I feel. Don't you guys give a shit about that. Yeah. Uh, all the while, Hank just pounding blocks of cheese. Oh, man. Yeah. The next day, he's going to shit an entire wheel <laughs> of Colby Jack, I swear to God. It's a five-pound wheel. Just boom. Just boom. It's, it's the opposite <laughs> of the Anchorman. He's going to shit an entire wheel of cheese instead of eat it. Yep. Um, and there's a lot of good points made. Like Skylar says, it's okay to lean on people. And the only one stopping you from getting this treatment and pres- perhaps prolonging slash preserving your life is you. And that this this is yeah. not just a decision about you. It's a decision about your entire family. Yeah, now that Walt is making decisions, I don't know that he's making great decisions. He's just finally able to exercise some agency over his life. He told Bogdan, he told Eyebrows to go fuck himself. Uh, he He is starting to actually be able to make decisions, but people are still trying to push him in directions, and he's resentful of that. Yeah, and the other thing that you got to note is that Nothing we've heard has said that Walt, even if with successful treatment, is going to get anything more than a year or two. Sure. Of probably shitty life. Mm-hmm. You're going through chemo, going through radiation, losing your hair, all those things. Like he said, you know, like what kind of life is it? If I, you know, uh, I, I want to be if, – if I can't work, if I can't eat a fine meal, if I can't make love to my wife, if I can't do things with my son, what am I trying to do here? Why am I going yeah. to bankrupt my family for something like that? No, that's a fair point. Um, and Junior's argument is devastating. Yeah, that's where I was going to go. What if you gave up on me? You know, Walter Junior, I think, has had more adversity in his life than Walt certainly has. Like you said, you know, I've I've got these braces. I'm going through high school. Um, would you would you want would you let me do something like this? And that's the first time in this conversation that anything seems to get to Walt. Yeah. To to really break through that layer of I'm going to do what I want because it's my decision now. Uh and I, I think that that makes a big difference in this conversation. What do you think about Marie? Is Marie genuine about this or is she just being a contrarian and getting Skylar's goat even subconsciously? Um 
That's a good question because we know that she is kind of like that. Yeah. We've seen her in previous Absolutely. episodes be kind of contrarian and negative toward her sister's plans. And she's one of those types of per- people that will say something offensive and then, you know, when you like call her out on it, she'll bug her eyes. I'm like, what? You know, <laughs> how, what, how can you take it? Yeah. It's, I just felt like it's some, there's a little layer of crassness to the way she did this. And I'm not saying that she yeah, had the, right. she had to call Skylar's, uh, had to hold Skylar's, uh, water, but the way she was kind of outraged that Skylar was even, taking offense yeah i i really find it hard to say that any one person is worse than another in this conversation i think the only one who's being completely honest and just throwing it all up against the wall is hank here hank and jr right marie and skyler have kind of their own ulterior motives yeah skyler just wants to to get walt to relent yeah and say yes i will do this fine fine i will do this yeah that's her goal here and i Marie is more genuine. But I she's think, bringing her Skyler own baggage. Is, but she is also, yes. I see these people, and they're miserable, and their family bullied them into it, and maybe they should be better off if they're dead. Uh, but that's yeah. not all people, and some people are fighters, and some people do beat this stuff. So you, sure. as a medical professional, you have to know that as well. Yeah, probably the only one who's being actually truly honest with how he feels here is Junior. I mean, Hank is even, you know, trying to use these metaphors and just ridiculous conversational uh, quirks to to get his point across. And I don't think it's super effective. No, but I do because like... Because Walt says, no, no, I don't know what you mean. No, and and I don't know. I f- that's Walt kind of being an asshole because I it do... Is. I think Walt... Walt's I, smart enough to get... I think what Hank said about especially the baseball analogy, which is hilarious that he just talks yeah. in these extended sports and gambling metaphors, but yeah. the whole... You know, the bottom of the ninth, you got a bum shoulder. Do you call in a pinch hitter and rely on someone else, or do you just swallow – you keep your pride and lose the game? Sure. I feel like Walt somehow found his own path that I'm going to yes. do both. This cooking meth allows me to keep playing the game mm-hmm. uh, and perhaps – it's a decision that he's making. I think most importantly. Yeah, because I think a lot of people are under the impression, and even I've made jokes about how this is really these, this is really an extended screed against the American healthcare system. <laughs> Walt's objective was never to make money for treatment. His objective was to make a pile of money to provide for his family after he was gone. Yeah. Do you think that this next scene, which I guess we can go ahead and get into... When he wakes up in in the bed and Skylar is not around, uh, and people can identify that when your partner's not around, you're like, you know, you get a whiff of them on the pillow, and you see some of their things. That's all kind of bittersweet. Uh, she's had all this. She clearly cares about. It. She's been, you know, pouring through all this cancer stuff um, on, on uh, all these material on her nightstand. Goes in, decides to do the treatment. Did he do that for her, or is this a calculation that? Maybe I can actually live longer and make more money huh. by going undergoing a treatment. It's an investment. Like this, if this buys me a year or two, that's more uh, the more meth I can cook, and I can leave a bigger nest egg. Uh, or is it just because if it was just a, if it was just doing what she wanted him to do, then he would go all in with the treatment and he'd go and smooth things over the Schwartzes. But he tries yeah, to take I, this middle path. I don't path. think it's just doing. 
as simple as doing what she wants him to do. I think it's, he wakes up, he's kind of surprised that she's not there in the bed with him. Um, he rolls over, he sees, you know, how much care she's taking in regard to his treatment and learning about his illness and stuff. And he realizes what it would be like for her after he's gone, rolling over and him not being there. Uh, after all the effort that she's put into trying to get him to stick she's around. She's going through the laundry, there's tidy whities everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so I I think it's a little bit of... Opens the medicine cabinet, there's his mush, his mush, his mustache butchery kit. You know, it's just all these sad <laughs> yeah. memories. He doesn't want her to leave her with that. Yeah, yeah, I just don't, I don't think he wants to leave her alone at that point. So he, he decides, yes, it's better for me to try to stick around to help them as long as I can. All right, pretty good take. And then, you know, he also decides at that moment, Matt is going to be my my salvation here. <laughs> he doesn't go back to Elliot, obviously. Right, right. So uh, then he goes out into the kitchen, and he tells her that he'll do the, the chemo, and then they go to the doctor. I don't, I don't know how long has passed between the morning scene and, th- and that scene. It's got to be a couple weeks, right, to yeah. schedule chemo and, and actually get in for treatment. Well, I don't know, because the doctor presented a treatment plan, and, you know, maybe that stuff was already pre-scheduled, and Walt was, you know, saying privately, I'm not going to do it. I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't think it's worth debating too much, but it could be a week to two to three weeks. Who knows? Okay. Um, And then there's a short discussion about, you know, paying up front with a credit card, which we go from that into kind of a cool scene with him being wrapped up in these plastic sheets and uh exposed to this treatment uh that's you know gonna do some harm to him one thing on i saw on the cerebral thing that i wasn't sure about mm. uh they were making comparison between a badger in his money suit and you know he's in his white kind of dollar bill suit and it's very square it's even got like angel wings or whatever and walt lying on his table which was a white square um do you buy that do they have a point yeah the fact that they're very and if you look at the shots they're kind of very similar in the composition that there's some kind of symbolism between the money being a barrier a barrier for walt and that you know just like badger is wearing kind of the doing this kind of shameful degrading thing that walt's doing getting in this like medical bed and doing something kind of against his will and it's all around money as you could, I feel like I don't buy a, it. Okay, I don't buy it. I think it's complete bullshit. I, right. Where are his wings? Where's his arrow <laughs> sign that he's spinning around? Like it's his angel. He's an. A, he's going to be an angel soon. It's a ghost. He's going to be a ghost, a cancer-riddled ghost, Jim. What about his sign? <laughs> he's got to be spinning his. Sign. You didn't he, see. He was doing the helicopter. I was going to say you didn't see because <laughs> it, 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 it was above the waist, but he had the full helicopter. He had the full Charlie Chaplin going down yeah. below yeah. the waist. Impressive. It's the magic of, of Brian Cranston. They just couldn't show it on AMC. HBO? Yeah, yeah. Breaking Bad on HBO? We'd have gotten a helicopter, bitch. Yep. Com- <laughs> completely. <laughs> uh, so we go back to uh, outside of Jesse's house where Walt's pulling up. Um, he gets a call from Gretchen who offers you know support in his illness, and then she tells him that he should accept their offer because uh, the money is half his anyway. She, uh, at least that's how Elliot and Gretchen view it. Um, she asks if this is about you and me, and Walt turns down the money again. Then he walks into Jesse's yard and said, let's cook. Do you think that this uh, – so here's – I'm going to play the devil's advocate. Elliot and Gretchen, a little bit disingenuous 
because if they really felt like half this money was going should have been to Walt, Just give it. To they've him. had a decade at least that they could have cut him some fat checks as like you know, hey, it's Christmas time. Here's a hundred k, buddy. Yeah. You know why'd you come? You know, I, instead it was packets of ramen the entire time. The whole time That's bullshit. You can't stock your stuffing with ramen, Elliot. <laughs> no, I feel like that there was this a little bit is their guilt. Yeah, yeah. And I Walt's so. not entirely wrong about a lot of this being guilt rather than, you know, professionally motivated or even kind of, you know, sense of real professional obligation. Sure. Um, I, I do think I understand, you know, the decision that he makes at the end of this episode to go back to cooking. Um it's all the little things, the kind of jabs at his pride throughout the episode, um, his feeling railroaded into his own decisions and deciding I'm going to make a decision and cook meth. Uh, and, and this is something that he's actually good at, and he takes pleasure in as well. Mm -hmm. That chemistry aspect is definitely not something he takes for granted. Certainly, certainly. And, you know, as, as we were watching this because he made such a big show of throwing Jesse out of his house and don't ever step foot and don't ever contact me again. I don't ever want to see yeah. you again. As he's kind of shambling up like Brian Cranston does up the driveway. I remember saying, fuck, I don't remember how he convinces Jesse to cook. <laughs> like what kind of Walter uh -huh. White eloquent argument does he make? Yep. What the hell's going on? And Jesse's all like, yo, and he just says, want to cook. <laughs> and that's it. There was, I mean, it kind of works though because if you look at what happened this episode with Jesse, he's unsatisfied with the quality of his meth. He still he has... can't use Badger as a partner because Badger's an asshole and a dumbass at the same time. He wants to he wants to apply himself. He does now, finally. Yeah. And so when this offer is put back in front of him, despite him kind of being mad at Walt, he takes it. It makes sense, indeed. Uh, that's the episode. One thing I wanted to point out. Um, you know, Dave Porter, who does all of the original soundtrack for Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um, he and we interviewed him back in season four, I believe. I'll I'll post that in the show notes. We if did, you... but there might be spoilers in there for people who haven't seen yeah, yeah, season yeah. four. So no, be I, I'm careful. It's actually early season five. I remember what episode uh, that that we. Uh... That's right, because we talked about a particularly good episode. Yeah, yeah, and a yeah. particularly good opening that we're not going to spoil. Yep. So, but if you're one of the veteran, which I suspect most people are. Uh, I'll post that in the show notes if you missed that the first time around. Uh, I just want to point out that we are on Netflix, and most of the time we don't play through the credits because we got other shit to do, but we are both kind of busy finishing up our notes. And Netflix, for whatever reason, didn't do the whole, like, just immediately go into the next episode thing. And we got to hear Dave Porter composes an original piece of music that's somehow like a rehash of the Breaking Bad theme, and sometimes mm -hmm. he does other stuff with it for every episode. And for the majority of its run on AMC, you never got to hear it because it had the AMC guy yeah. coming on at the next week of Breaking Bad. Next week on Mad And they high speed the credits. and But so he's like, realistically, uh, I'm making this for the half dozen people on DVD that might care to watch, you know, before they skip to the next chapter. Sure, that's cool. It's good stuff. And I think it's cool that, like, on Netflix, you can, if you choose to, listen to it all. Sure. And I'm definitely – I think that's going to be something that I do, that I'm going to start listening to all that. Just just out of thanks to Dave Porter because he really – he adds a lot, a lot to the show. Sure. Absolutely. Unsung, he's, unsung he's hero. fantastic. Unsung hero. Uh, so I – you know, this episode is not a super action-packed one. 
It it has some helicopter some good co- comedy in it certainly, but it, it's really getting Walt back into the game and kind of dealing with a lot of issues that have been under the surface uh, for the past couple of episodes. Yeah, because Villigan and his team of writers uh, actually did a fairly good job of digging themselves in a hole. Yeah, that they had both Jesse and Walt had all the reason in the world never to see each other and to never start this cook again. Yep. And how can we believably maneuver those back people back in into position? By the way, I forgot to do this as we miss up front in the episode. Uh, but this was the rare exception for season one. This episode is not written by Vince Gilligan. It's uh, written by uh, Patty Lynn, who was kind of uh, a one and done on Breaking Bad. She only worked on this one episode in the first season. But huh. she's got an extensive writing experience. She's written for Def- Desperate Housewives. Uh, friends, freaks and geeks, a couple others, and it was directed by Trisha Brock, who another one and done on Breaking Bad. Uh, but hmm. she's worked on a ton of uh, television shows, including The Walking Dead, Silicon Valley, Girls, The Killing, Community, um, wow. just Thirty some Rock, both of them doing some good stuff, <laughs> and and uh, both comedies and drama. Pushing Daisies, one of my. Uh, all-time favorite shows that kind of died an untimely death. <laughs> yeah. Ugly Ugly Betty, Veronica Mars, Grey's Anatomy, tons of writing experience, but interestingly enough, they are both one and done on Breaking Bad. Okay. Well, we're one and done on this episode. Yeah. We're never talking about this episode again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's it. Not exactly true because we've got a little bit of pimping to go to first and then some feedback. Yep. Some of you might be wondering, how can I support this fantastic content that's pouring into my ear holes? Well, my friend, there's a couple of basic ways. You can go to subbable.com slash baldmove, figure out a way to find out how you can transmute cash into podcasts and get a little bit of something-something, some bald move memorabilia or custom content opportunities. Some fan uh, went for the brass ring, did the top-level support, and got a uh, free, uh, got a custom podcast out of it. Made us watch a movie set in the French Revolution about the Maquis de Sade. It's called Quills. We did a breakdown of that last week. Check it out on the Bald Moves t- TV feed. But it's something you can get on. Go to subbable.com slash baldmove if it uh, sounds fascinating to you. You can also support us with the Amazon affiliate link at amazon.baldmove.com. You put the dot baldmove in between the Amazon and the dot com. And now magically your shopping cart infused with love for Jim and I. And we get a lot, a lot of our funding, a lot of our support through that. Thank you, everyone that remembers to do that. Uh, third and finally, help promote the the network, man. Get out there, share us on social media, tell friends and family, uh, rate and review us on iTunes. All great ways to help us grow the network. And thanks again for everyone that listens and for everyone that helps support us. We could not do it without you. Absolutely. With that said, let's go ahead and get into feedback, shall we? Yep. Let me scroll down my notes to get there. A um, couple things. Oh, we get taken to task, Jim. Yeah. We're getting raked over to Coles. For what? By Bo B. I mean, there's a lot if of Bo stuff. Bo knows anything. Bo knows continuity errors. <laughs> Says, love the podcast, uh, but I had to stop listening to this week's episode so I could write in and bitch. This oh, was the okay. second week you talked about the quote-unquote continuity error of Hank finding the gas mask. But at the very end of episode two, two children are shown running around the desert kicking a ball when a young Native American girl stumbles upon a gas mask. Sure. 
She puts it on and spreads her arms, looking up to the sky. Yes. In episode three, when the DEA is shown in the desert, there is a scene where the mother of the girl is clearly giving them the gas mask as I knock over a bottle of whiskey. The kids that found it are even there with her, and you can see her shitty red pickup truck she drove there to meet them in. Can we put this to rest as not being a continuity error now? Damn it. Yeah, no, he's absolutely right. I went back and I looked at this, and it's not a continuity error. The It's fuzzy as to how this all ties together as far as like the the fire in the middle of the desert sure so there's a fire uh they find this gas mask at the fire scene there's clearly a car that belongs to their informant they come out there they start asking around with neighbors then the red pickup comes flying up we found ourselves a gas mask so the dots aren't all completely connected but you can connect them in the background and it's definitely not a continuity it's not a warping of time and space the way we thought it was no no, he's, Bo is absolutely right. He knows his continuity errors. And his red pickups. Mike B said, going back a couple episodes, I'm no chemist, but I've heard that chirality, or the left-hand, right-hand mirror image concept, is relevant to methamphetamine. The mirror, mirror image of meth is, wait for it, cold medicine. Oh, come on. I don't know that that's, that's true. That can't be true. The process that you go through to make methamphetamine from cold medicine... It's just From flipping it around. It's not you just flip flipping it, it around. You, you cut the thumb off this cold medicine. There's no way. You sew it on the opposite hand. Boom, mm-hmm. it's now left-handed and evil. I want a Nobel Prize winning <laughs> chemist to write in and tell us whether or not that is true. Yeah, I mean... I know we have them listening. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to Chris D. said, This is kind of old, but in the pilot, Walter removes a handicap placard from his rearview mirror, and it's dated 2008, which kind of throws mm-hmm. a wrench into the hole. This could be any time period. Um... Yeah, I guess uh, when we say it could be any time period, it's not that it literally could because this is absolutely rooted to a date. One of the interesting things is watching phone technology evolve or fail to evolve. Mm-hmm. Uh, even late in the run of Breaking Bad, they're still using flip phones and bricks because they are kind of cognizant of the fact that this series is somewhat frozen in time. Yeah. S- but it's set to where I imagine, you know, if I told you this was set in the early 90s or a decade from now, as long as people like Chris aren't eagle-eyed and point out the dates on placards, mm. that people would buy that. Yeah, roughly. Uh, I mean, there's – we – in our season four and five podcast, we tried to figure out a little bit like, yeah. when this was actually taking place. And I think, you know, there are things that point to 2010. There are things to point – There's things that point to like 2000 because there's some rip from the headlines like, where they kind of goof up too. So Yeah, yeah. So I, sh- I, don't, I think the show makers are just trying to make it look timeless, not make it actually be timeless in that there are no references to time in there. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, Destiny S said, what a great episode. Uh, we're moving on to the good, the new stuff now. I agree the intervention scene really helps to illustrate how impotent his uh, Walter's life overall and how Walt really feels. It seems also that his family is all too happy to keep him in a role that they are most comfortable with rather than considering what he really wants. You have to wonder how many years with Malt's, Walt's, Malt's Walm, with Walt's mom, he was subjected to this same type of treatment and how important it is for him to rail against them all. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, we talked about how, you know, they really didn't have addressed the whole mother issue, but they laid enough track that you think that, man, if the man's not made an authentic choice in his whole life, he's been railroaded from the womb to the grave. Sure. 
Uh, Janet G said, this episode's almost painful to watch as we see the stark contrast between Elliot and Gretchen and Walt and Skyler. From the party quote-unquote dress code to the polite kiss on each cheek to the inferior yet sentimental non-gift in the face of some other douche canoe gifting a Clapton guitar. Add to the fact that Gretchen is clearly the quote-unquote one who got away and is now living the high life. You almost begin to understand why Walt feels like the world owes him something. P.S. Had I been Walt in the middle of the equally painful intervention, I have lit that fucking talking pillow on fire. What? Yeah, man. Uh, Walt's a proud guy. And and seeing that, uh, he's got to get a little jealous. And I feel like that combines with his pride to make him just really stubborn in that moment. Yeah, and we talk about – it's funny because I don't – I'm, I don't consider this a spoiler, but it's something that Villigan – that's the other thing you need to realize is like season one through three Breaking Bad, it wasn't exactly the culture phenomenon that it got towards the end. Yeah. In fact, the first season, it kind of struggled in, in with ratings. So by the time people got to ask questions like when – when and start debating when we're – stop rooting for Walt. Do we stop rooting for Walt? Should we feel bad for – uh, rooting for Walt. The first time I remember Vince being asked that, he said, actually, I consider when he irrevocably broke bad mm-hmm. is when he turned down this offer from Elliot. Sure. It, it solves his problem. Interestingly enough, I feel like that that's starting to become maybe the conventional wisdom, just gets, just going from how I feel about it, our discussions, and the feedback I've seen. A lot of people... You know, if you're not relying on your fuzzy memories of season one, it's like, god damn, that seems like... What what kind of pride and hubris does it take to turn down this offer that solves all your problems and takes care of your family? It, it takes a man staring in the face of death who has never had a choice in his life finally deciding to make a choice with what little time he has left. But it really kind of serves to illustrate how this I'm doing it for the family was never more yeah. than a fig leaf at that period. I, I think that's right. I, I think... I understand, given his character, why he makes the decision he does. I don't think it's the right decision, certainly. Uh, I, I might even say that he broke bad episode one. Sure. I mean, just deciding. Like, there are a lot of people who think about doing bad things. Doing things that I've are illegal. I've thought about doing a lot of bad things. People. <laughs> sure. But the difference between someone who breaks bad and someone who doesn't is they actually go out and do it. Yeah, and, and Walt went out and he did it. He made meth, and it was methodical. It wasn't like you know some guy said something popped off at me and I punched him in the face. Yeah, you know, he, a crime of passion. This was something that he got into logically, and he has his reasons, and they sure. might be you know noble reasons, but that doesn't justify what you're actually doing. Yeah, no, I I feel like that. In, I feel it's interesting because I totally agree with Villigan. Yeah, this is probably. I don't think he's. Un, certainly not unlikable or unrootable. I mean, he does uh-huh. a lot. He'll go on to do many, many awesome things, or else this show would be pretty boring indeed. <laughs> yeah. However, um, I also think this episode, he was at one of his most sympathetic, too. Like, that inter- when he finally got to speak yeah. the intervention scene, I feel like that speaks to a lot of guys and maybe, maybe girls uh, mm-hmm. who've been in that situation where they just feel kind of powerless throughout life. Sure. Uh, Sandro... I wants us to talk about the contrast between Walt's birthday party and Elliot's. <laughs> Elliot seems to be in more control of his birthday party. He doesn't have a brother-in-law who's brandishing guns and 
watching himself on television. <laughs> it's what? it's more of like, Elliot feels like he has a group of friends who are genuine friends, whereas Walt feels like he's just along for the ride on everybody else's life. Yeah, Elliot is the master and commander of his life. No one's trying to show him up. No one's trying to emasculate him at his own birthday party. No one. Yeah. No, Bill Gates didn't fucking helicopter in, <laughs> land on top of his mountain of presence and say, hey, look at this wells I dug in Africa and I cured AIDS. And also I've made a yeah. laser guided mosquito destruction system that's wiping out malaria. <laughs> but cool, cool patent, bro. Yeah. I cool mean, birthday, bro. Yeah. And also Gretchen. Hand jobs, top notch. Probably. Not yeah. on eBay, sweating hmm. s- sweating a uh, mosaic uh, kitsch uh, chicken or whatever. Yeah, I don't know what she was buying. Uh, you got it. Yeah, what, whatever the hell she's selling or buying. Uh, Jordan LP said, great cast. Really enjoying all the content this summer. Thank you. I think it's rich revisiting Breaking Bad as now the tension and clue searching has been mostly dropped. I will say that does feel refreshing, right? We don't have to sift yeah. so many tea leaves. We don't have to engage in dead man's brew. We can just take it as it is and know where it's going, and that's really cool. Sure. I th- uh, I've heard Walter White described at times as an Ayn Rand. Is it Ayn Rand? Uh, people get up their own ass with this name. I don't care. Yes. Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand. Say A Rand. I'll do it with the A Rand. Yeah, yeah. An A Rand type hero. In this episode, we get a heads and tails of this libertarian philosophy through the meth lens of the series. On the positive side, Jesse growing and maturing through perfect or through the perfecting of his cooking and finding an outlet of his natural talent, his removal of Badger, uh, and striking out on his own initiative and turning down the demeaning job. All speak well of a pull yourself up by your own bootstraps philosophy. On the downside, we get Walter White as an example of the weakness and insecurity that plagues the foundations of a Rand-type philosophy. I'm sure that's not a controversial opinion at all. Another listener, um, which, by the way, is Shane Bowman, linked to an Empire article quoting Vince as saying, Gray Matt, wait, well, I'm going to consider this in the spoiler section. Okay. That's, uh, so we will get to that in a little bit, uh, but we'll talk about that in the spoiler if, section if you're so inclined to follow us there. Joe E says, this is the best episode of the series so far. Not just for what it is now, but for what it comes to mean in the long term. Surprised by that sentiment, Jim? Um, yes. I don't... I, I agree that it means something in the long term, and I won't get into that here. But I don't think this is the best episode of season one. Okay. Or, or one of the best episodes of the series, certainly. Best episode to date. It's hard to argue against the pilot or even season episode two. But yeah, man. I it's hard to argue with anyone having an opinion on this show, period. Sure. And this is a very different kind of episode. Yes. As compared to those other ones. Uh, it just depends, I guess, what you're in it for. I agree that this is a very good episode. I don't know that it's better than the pilot for me, though. All right. He called you out, Joe. <laughs> uh, Walt waiting so long to tell Skyler about his cancer, he continues, then wanting to keep it from the rest of the family, and then not wanting to be honest with Elliot, communicates a buried disdain for others that's very realistic. The idea that nobody can receive the knowledge that you have cancer and return it with anything, but humiliation and pain communicates a deep lack of faith in relationships. There are other reasons that someone might keep their cancer a secret, but for Walt, it feels just like a subconscious hatred for others. Hmm. Uh, What do you think of that take? I dovetails nicely with the traumatic mother past, perhaps. <laughs> okay. I don't really know what to think about that. 
Um, I mean, why does Walt assume that every time he reveals that he has cancer, he's going to get scorn and humiliation? See, that I don't, is something I don't broken. Read it that way, I, really, I look at Walt as not wanting to be pitied. Walt, Walt has a lot of pride. He doesn't want people pitying him and thinking that he's weak or thinking that he's deserving of their charity. I think that's that's another that's a flip coin. Uh, you know, pity is what you fear. Like they're not gonna they're not. And gonna... what causes the humiliation? Yes. Okay. So humiliated by by his own uh, disdain for pity. I guess you know. Yeah, I'm humiliated Walter... because people are pitying me, and I feel like I am worthy of pity. I don't know. Yeah. There's. You know, I read his book. I think it's called No More Mr. Nice Guy, but it's about kind of some of the toxic forms that masculinity can take. And there's this concept of being this plastic man um, that has no visible imperfections, that you present this image to the world that everything's fine no matter what, and that is the most important thing that you can possibly present as a man. And it's, you know, keeps up in perfectionism. Um, but it's one of those things where it keeps you from in, having genuine relationships with people because no one's perfect. And if you present a perfect image, you never let anyone, you know, it's like, that's why they call it the plastic man. They're like Teflon. Not, there's nothing to stick to. There's nothing to mm. cohese. There's, yeah, yeah. you know, part of becoming friends and becoming intimate with people is letting them know your flaws and getting to know their flaws and then accepting and loving them no matter what. Uh. People that can't do that, it is, there's something missing from them. And that's kind of, you know, not to engage in too much pop babble cycle analysis, but <laughs> kind of feels that's the road that Walt is uh, is heading down. That's the mold that he's formed from. Sure. That's all the non-spoiler stuff we got. Uh, got a little bit of spoilers. Not, I'll just say not as much, uh, if you're tempted, not as much deep analysis in this one as in a lot of the episodes we've talked about because a lot of the stuff is all surface reading. But we did have quite a few uh, spoilers emails that we'll consider including an interesting Vince Gilligan interview uh, and an interesting uh, actress who plays Gretchen, Jessica Hecht, I believe, that we'll be talking about. Uh, so if, you inclined, if you're inclined to do so, please join us. If not, we'll be back next week for the next episode. And if you'd like to give us feedback on that, we'd appreciate it at breakinggood@baldmove.com. You can also follow along with our show, I, our show emails, uh, our podcast emails on uh, facebook.com slash breakingbad. Jesus. <laughs> Facebook.com slash bald move and follow Jim uh, on Twitter at bald move if you want to tweet your fast takes to him. All right. Sounds good. We'll see you guys next time. Until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See you in the spoilers. We're back with the spoiler section. What do we have this week? Uh, two emails that kind of dovetail together. I'm going to consider them together as a unit, and then we're going to talk about this Jessica Hecht interview, and that's about it. Uh, okay. Ben R. said, What confused me about this episode was Walt's refusal to accept Elliot's job offer. Granted, he claimed that the offer was charity, but Elliot was offering him the chance to do what he loved, practicing science, and be well compensated for it. I saw this as Elliot giving a chance for Walt to get back on top and earn his worth, why do you consider this offer charity and not another business transaction that occurs later in the series? I actually wish that the writers had given us a better idea of what exactly happened when Walt dissolved his partnership. 
Barry adds, did you guys think like me that the previous romance that was hinted between Walt and Gretchen in this episode never really went anywhere in the show? It didn't seem to me that it really made an impact beyond season one, and it always felt like something we would learn more about in the future series, especially when Walt talked about empires and the like. It kind of felt like something he sh- that should have been discussed more given his resentment for Grey Matter. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, I, I think they kind of found out that that wasn't such an important part of this journey for Walt. But it does uh, come back to that at the it, end. It does, but not that necessarily. It's like he's got this opportunity where he knows that these people have a lot of money. They could disguise the fact that they're giving a bunch of money away. But that empire, I do think that it does speak a lot to the empire. That that's, I even think he, he explicitly states that. I once had a chance at this, and I let it slip away for reasons, and I'm not going to do it again, and thus, you know, I'm in the Empire business. Mm -hmm. Let me read you an interview from Jessica Hecht, uh, who plays Gretchen. Uh, She's talking about her scenes between her and Walt that we get into a future episode. Uh, She goes, this scene was easy for me because Vince Gilligan told us exactly what went down between the characters off screen. We are very much in love, and we're about to be married. He came home to meet my family, and I come from this very successful, wealthy family, and that knocks him on his side. He couldn't deal with his infor- the f- inferiority he felt, this lack of connection to privilege. It made him feel terrified, and he literally just left me out of the blue. I was devastated. Walt is fighting his way out of going back to that emotional place, so he says, F you. Why didn't that get onto the screen? I don't know. That's super easy to do in a five, ten-minute flashback. You could do because it makes sense. Like, this guy, yeah. Walt, he goes out, and, you know, Gretchen's kind of down to earth. She seems like, almost like an earth mother type person. He meets her in college, falls in love, goes out, and this is fucking mansion, and everybody's driving $100,000 cars and talking about – it's kind of like uh, – you remember in the scene in The Aviator where uh, – Shit, who's the guy that's in The Aviator? Uh, Howard, Howard Hughes, Hughes. Yeah. goes to meet the actresses, who I'm, I can't remember which one she's supposed to be, mm-hmm. played by Galadriel from uh, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Kate Blanchett. And they're this liberal, elite, East, East Coast family that lives in this mansion, and they're talking about, almost talking down on hardworking people and uneducated people, and it doesn't take much for Howard to hear this before he's like, bullshit on all y'all. I can imagine that happening with Walt, except for he just keeps it all inside. He never lashes out. Yeah, yeah, I can see that happening. Uh, I also feel like Walt doesn't have any confidence in himself. Despite being a Nobel Prize winner, despite being a very intelligent guy, he doesn't seem to have much confidence. And that's been eroded by, you know, years of not making his own decisions and just... Yeah, that Gretchen, the fact that Gretchen could love him, and that's enough. Even if the other family doesn't accept him. Although, sure. I, I just don't think he had the confidence to say, look, I've won a fucking Nobel Prize. Yeah. I, I may not be born into this shit, but I am smarter than every one of you fuckers in this room. I am, a, I am a, and even if not, I am a fucking person worthy of respect to deal sure, with at it. Sure, at the very baseline, yeah. I'm a human being. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's worked his ass off to get what he has. But he just doesn't see the value in that as compared with the people, I guess, that have all this stuff given to them. That seems that seems weird to me uh, in my thinking, but I guess that makes sense with Walt not having any confidence. 
Obviously, Breaking Bad, one of the best shows of all time. This is not a fatal flaw. Oh God, no. But I would, if <laughs> if I could, if I ever get a chance to interview Villigan, I would love to ask him that question. If this is such yeah. an important facet, and I'm not saying it had to get in season two or season three, but in the final season, especially since we went back to the Schwartz well, I feel like there there it would have been so easy to work some of that in. And I kind of wonder why. Yeah. Maybe he wanted to leave it in t- intentionally ambiguous. Maybe having Walt's source of insecurity and 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 pride being his downfall being somewhat mysterious and having that drive made him more relatable, or maybe that's what Vince thought. I would love to know why he, if he had this backstory that's so informing of Walt's personality and the things he's made up of. It's it's one thing to not talk about his mother and father issues, but that I don't know. It's kind of interesting that was an omission. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Seems weird. Uh, That's about... uh, Again, that's all I've got. Um, Be on the lookout for Shane Bowman's excellent Heisenberg Chronicles companion. I'm sure he'll dig up a bunch more stuff. Uh, Also, check out Seriable.com, the Breaking Bad observation for this episode, which I will link, as always, in the show notes. But that's all I got. Yeah, I think, you know, just to put one more kind of thread tying this to the rest of the series this is kind of the first time i guess um that we see walt's pride fucking with him walt's pride getting in the way of what (laughs) he should do that's your pride fucking with you yeah uh i I think this is the first time i don't know i mean maybe the car wash stuff with bogdan but that was more fueled by finding out that he's got cancer anyone would snap on that circumstance yeah uh, so this is really just pure pride getting in the way of solving this problem he's got. Yeah. Good uh, point. As much as one can solve the problem of having cancer. That <laughs> 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 certainly wouldn't solve that, but his family stuff. So, but that, that becomes a huge theme throughout the, the series. I mean, so many times Walt could have gotten out of this, should have gotten out of it, but his pride wouldn't let him. Yeah, there's so many moments where he could have been the big person, and if not, there's you know the further you get an episode, the less likely it is he could just walk away. Yeah, yeah. But certainly he could have insulated his family from damage, uh, his wider family from damage, the community from damage. Uh, he probably could have not gotten caught in the end. Uh, you know, I mean, by by the time that he's at the dinner table with Hank, swilling his red his wine. Red wine and saying, yeah, I bet that Heisenberg is still out there, and he's a fucking awesome not, guy. Not only could he gotten away, he would have been, at that point, super rich. Yeah. He would have achieved all of his goals, except for the final thing, which is out Schwartzing the Schwartz. <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah. So his his pride is a huge problem for Walt later on. Yep. All right. Well, that's it. Yep, that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you next time.